Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Well, hello, everyone. You have reached the Locked On NFL podcast once again. It is Wednesday, and much like last Wednesday when we had Joe Marino on, we have Kyle Krabs from the ever-popular and growing at a ridiculous rate Locked On NFL Draft podcast. And first off, Kyle, it's great to have you on. Um, from what I understand and what David Locke, our, sort of our emperor, has told us is you guys are the only daily... NFL draft podcast going right now. Is that true? Yeah, this is this has been a really fun uh, turn of the year for us. Uh, it, we obviously know that the draft season is quote unquote cyclical uh, for sure. Um, but we're up to like, as of right now, we are 37th on the iTunes uh, top 200 sports and rec uh, board, if you will, yeah. uh, right behind Daniel Jeremiah, move the sticks and, and they do a weekly podcast. And, uh, I, I think ESPN's does a weekly podcast and there's a lot of other really talented guys, but we seem to be the only one that's got that daily grind, uh, working for us. Yeah, I love it. I listen just about every day and you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with me, but I mean, I, I'm basically NFL and I'm always late to the party with the draft. And now that I'm doing a daily podcast and I can control everything, I want to start talking draft a little earlier. Um, our listeners, like yesterday, I just did a free agency overview, I like the top 50 guys, just getting all our listeners familiar with the names to know. And that's kind of what I want to do with you today and what we did last Wednesday. Uh, last Wednesday, Joe and I talked wide receivers and safeties, and boy, it's going to be a good safety class, it looks like. And it also looks like it's going to be a really good tight end class, which is new. I mean, that hasn't happened in a while. And just as an overview, what do you think of the class? And the little that I've been told or that I've been paying attention to, it actually sounds like some of these top guys might actually be able to block a little bit too. Yeah, my goodness. This is a, uh, a really a treat to kind of see this class come together the way that it has uh, throughout the course of our summer work with NDT Scouting. Joe and I took a look at uh, four guys uh, Jake Butt, Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard, and Jordan Leggett. And uh, little did we know at the time, that was really just the tip of the iceberg. You've had a, a nice yeah. blend of players that have uh, come into their own as seniors, whether that's Pitts, Scott Orndorff, um, or Janu Smith from from FIU, or names like David Njoku, who's a, a redshirt sophomore who declared early. And uh, he might be the most prolific receiver out of the group uh, he's a little more uh, effective after the catch than O.J. Howard. They have very similar, uh, similar and comparable athletic profiles as far as the athleticism that they bring, the size that they bring. Uh, so just going down the list, uh, sleepers like Gerald Everett and Cole Hicatini. Uh Gerald Everett is from South Alabama. 
Uh, Cole Hicatini uh, was the tight end at Louisville and, and one of the reliable targets for Lamar Jackson. So uh, there's a lot of names here that, that I'm really excited for because in years past, as you said and alluded to, you'd be lucky to get two guys to be really excited about. Yeah, and there, there seems to be all shapes and sizes, you know, where Evan Ingram from Ole Miss looks like he's kind of the the smaller Jordan Reed move type guy, you know, where Howard's kind of the prototype. And then there's some guys, you know, with, with real good size too, you know I mean? So uh, the, the kid from Clemson, Leggett, he was impressive in the, in the bowl game. I want to start with the guy with the name from Miami though. And honestly, I just became familiar with him like two days ago. Uh, you had mentioned he was a redshirt sophomore. Did, did, did that shock some people that he declared? And it seems like he's going right to the top of the list. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had the, the luxury of being in Miami for Pitt Miami this year, and uh, some of the folks that I talked to down there said that there was a buzz starting to build about this guy, and a lot of scouts present, uh, many of them there to see Brad Kaya, the quarterback, but uh, he made it impossible to miss because he had a 19-yard touchdown catch and run in which he did a front flip over top of a, a receiver and a defender that wow. the receiver was blocking into the end zone uh he is uh he seems like he's got two or three plays every single game that your jaw just hits the ground because he's rocked up uh he checks every box as far as uh physically what you want to see from a build and then the explosiveness that he brings to the table as like a 2017 model tight end for today's modern nfl uh so not necessarily sure that I'm surprised people were surprised people close to the program knew that this kid was a stud um, more of a, a kind of cherry on top for a tight end class kind of player okay and my hunch is you know just the little I know about him is probably will test pretty well I would imagine and I would think at his age too two years from now he'll probably be 10 or 15 pounds heavier too sure he's he's certainly got some room to add uh, and, and his functional strength is good. It's not he's more sloppy as a blocker than O.J. Howard, and and okay. that's kind of an unfair barometer to put almost anybody against because Howard's the best blocking tight end in the country. Um, he, he is very very good in that aspect. And Njoku spends a lot of time flexed out in the slot. I kind of see some Jimmy Graham style uh, parallels there with Njoku. I know some people tried to make the Howard Graham comparison, but I think it's much more applicable to Njoku. Hmm. Okay. And the U has pumped out a couple tight ends over the years. And not, oh, they got a nice pipeline, huh? Not bad. Um, I was actually in Cleveland right after they drafted Kellen Winslow, and he was a total freak before his injuries. And Otherwise, anyways, tell me more about Howard, though. You said you think he's the best blocker in the class. Uh, I imagine that's of the top guys. That's on of the 280-pound guys that can't run that are just sure. blockers. Right, but I mean of the of the potential, you know, first four or five rounds players. Yeah, Howard has uh, – the only thing he doesn't have is production. You know, you watch the film. Uh, I think your your 1-1-A is um, Howard and Njoku at the top of the class. Howard does separate himself because he's got more of a polish to his game. He's able to uh, win effectively thanks to how uh, fluid he is at point of first contact and being able to mirror and sustain out in space – and a lot of tight ends, you're not you're not being asked anymore to have drive blocks on defensive ends. It's can you stay sticky in space and, and be able to latch on and sustain a block and allow a back to cut off your hip? And he does that very well. There was a, a jet sweep action 
uh, in the national championship game that was just a perfect example of that where he uh, made one counter step and really rolled his hips through contact, rode the guy out, and ended up burying him in the ground. So uh, athleticism is off the charts. If you want him in a short area run-after-catch style player or if you want him as a vertical guy to, to kind of get between the linebacker and those safeties as a, a deeper threat, uh, he's got a lot of versatility to him and polish as well, which is an impressive combination. On January 18th, I'm not going to hold you to any rankings or predictions, but tell me if I'm in the ballpark here, that Howard and Njoku are potential first-rounders. You'd probably draw a line after them as the top two, and then maybe you're in the Hodges-Leggett-Ingram conversation for who's third? Uh, I'm I'm a little lower on Hodges and Leggett. Okay. I think Ang- Ingram's a solid two. I think if Jake Button hadn't have suffered the ACL tear, he would also be in that second tier. Um, Leggett, for me, really reliable hands. He's a great security blanket. Uh, you, you saw some of that, and he's had those catches throughout his career where he's very comfortable catching away from his body. I'm just not sold on his ability to separate. I don't think he's particularly quick at the top of his routes. And uh, a lot of the times in which he's left open, it's finding holes in zone coverage versus actually beating man-to-man coverage. Okay. Uh, Hodges. He has is just, an NFL build, though, correct? Oh, get, oh my goodness, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and Hodges is – he's – I don't think – I think the next time he puts his hand down in the dirt will be the first time he ever does it. <laughs> okay. He's, he's spent more time as a flanker than he has anywhere else. Uh, so it's just that there's a lot of unknown to that that I'm a little leery of as far as you – know, valuing this guy as a day two prospect. Now, his hands are excellent. He's a great uh, vertical style receiver. He wins contested catches very well, but he doesn't separate, and he he spent a lot of time on the boundary. So I'm just curious to see how that transition is going to go for him. Okay. Is there any other names there you want to throw out that are, you know, day two guys? I I would say a, a potential sleeper. Uh, would be Janu Smith from Florida International. This is the the poor guy that had the boiling hot pot of water poured on his head by his girlfriend. Uh, He ended up missing like the last month of the season uh, for for this incident. And uh, he's a really nice move piece tight end, a a very natural receiver of the ball. Kind of struck me like Charles Clay when Charles Clay was in Miami. So he's got that kind of H-back style game to him and can be effective in the middle of the field. So I think Janu Smith's a little under the radar right now, but he will be in Mobile next week for the Senior Bowl. So it's a good showcase for him. Yeah, it sounds like a perfect perfect spot for him, especially coming from a small school. Uh, let's move to quarterbacks. And again, I'm sure there's going to be much jockeying between Trubisky and Watson and Kaiser. Are they the three names that potentially, I'm not saying that you you think they should, that could potentially be in play for the Browns or, or the Niners at one and two. I would leave it at Trubisky and Watson, but that's me really? personally. Yeah. Um, See, Trubisky, I'm hearing the opposite. I mean, uh, some people seem to love Kaiser too, though. Yeah, Kaiser's got all the tools in the world. Okay. Um, but it's it's not a anywhere near as consistent of a package as what you get out of the other two. Um, I would say this, Watson has some warts to his game that he's going to continue to need to work on. The the deeper throws outside of 10, 15 yards, uh, his accuracy can be spotty there at times, and he's guilty at missing underneath zone defenders on the second level and will throw into coverage. I think the the Pittsburgh game is a perfect example of that with, with some of the throws that he made. 
Uh, Trubisky as a one-year starter, he's got everything that I'm looking for. I absolutely love his tape, but he's still learning what he can and can't get away with. And he can get crossed up after the snap with a pre-snap versus post-snap look. And that's some of the turnovers. I think the Duke game, for example, for Mitch Trubisky is a good example of some of the things that he's got to continue to work on. Uh, The Stanford game as well, the bowl game, was a a great showcase of his highs and lows. Kaiser is just too erratic with the mechanics and the ball placement and the decision-making. It's up and down and up and down, and and I'm a little cooler on that as compared to the other two guys. So those three, who's the most gifted, naturally talented, who has the best tools that they were given from birth? I think if you're looking at a passer, I, I would say Kaiser probably has the best overall arm ability when everything is right. Um, Watson's the best athlete of the group, and uh, Trubisky seems like he's a natural as far as his ability to make plays and and be composed in the pocket and make clutch plays. Uh, obviously, Watson down the stretch was a very clutch player uh, for Clemson, won then the national championship, so I don't want to knock him there. Mm-hmm. But it, it, Trubisky just really strikes me as wise beyond his years as far as the Pitt and Florida State games were two games that uh, Pittsburgh game, they were down like 13 points in the last four minutes, and he brought them back and won the game. Uh, so some it's of the game situations. I'm a, I'm a Pitt guy, and I was on that staff for three years, and I watched Trubisky versus Pitt, and I watched Watson versus Pitt, and it sounds like that's the absolute worst game I should have watched of Watson, and probably the best game I should have watched of right. Trubisky. Yeah. yeah. Trubisky was clutch versus Pitt and Florida State. He had a two-week stretch there that was, was really well and seemed like he came back down to earth a little bit. But they all have... Uh, they all have flavors to them. It's do you want the mm-hmm. guy with the, with the, the real high end blue chip arm that you think you can mold and get consistency with his decision making and seeing the field and his mechanics? And that's or Kaiser, to, right? That is Kaiser, absolutely. Okay. I mean, he definitely has the best arm of the three. Yes, I think so. Is Trubisky the most pocket ish? You know, I mean, I'm, you know, most traditional drop back, not run around guy. I would say Kaiser strikes me okay. as more of the Trubisky's – you hate to use the the, the phrase sneaky athletic, uh, but some of the plays that he makes with his legs, uh, you could tell he, he takes people by surprise with how well he's able to leak uh, out of the pocket. And uh, you know he, he's got a really nice pump fake that he really sells a lot of guys on and then flushes the pocket and can make plays happen working and throwing on the move. Uh, whereas Kaiser, I think, is more of your traditional drop back and uh, sling it from the pocket kind of guy. Okay. Well, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of battling it out between these three from every pundit you can hear on Twitter and Mel and Todd and everyone out there. So that's going to be kind of fun to see who who rises to the top in this, this portion of the, the process. Um, I mentioned Pitt, so I'm going to take the chance to just ask a little bit about Nathan Peterman. Does he have a chance? I think he does. I think he's a nice football player. I don't think he's got uh, the tools of any of the guys that you just talked about sure, or even yeah. guys like Pat Mahomes. Or, That's who uh, I was going to bring up next, by the way. Sure, yeah. Mahomes. It seems like he's the hot name right now. Yeah, he's he's the sexy name right now. But but Peterman's I, – I don't think he's a guy that you put into a starting lineup and ask to throw the ball 30, 35 times. Uh, but he does strike me as a really reliable – game manager style of quarterback and you know hate to put guys in boxes but he's not going to win you games but typically he's not going to lose you games either he'll make some impressive gutty throws standing in the pocket 
And uh, I, I really liked what I saw from him this year down the stretch. Uh, it was a shame he got hurt in the bowl game. I was there for the bowl game and uh, watching every pick game. It sounds like no, no, just <laughs> two, just okay. two. And um, you know they ended up losing Peterman, Connor, and uh, Dor. I believe Dorian Johnson was the other name that they lost on offense in that yeah. bowl game. So it was a rough watch. But uh, uh, I think he's got a shot. I think he's a really solid option as a, a maybe early day three target for a team if we're being realistic as far as where NFL teams are going to evaluate and value him. Yeah, and they'll look at him as a long-term backup type guy, I would imagine. Absolutely. Ideally, the, yeah. the comparison I made was somebody like uh, Matt Moore in Miami. Okay, uh, yeah. I mean, that's a heck of a career if you can get away with it. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Who's fourth on your list? I actually have uh, Mahomes sitting at four right okay. now. I'm Did sorry, you... I'm, I have Mahomes at three. I have Mahomes ahead of Kaiser. Ahead of Kaiser, okay. Tell me about yeah. him then. I mean, it sounds like he's, again, the hot name and people are excited about him. Jekyll and Hyde, man. Really? <laughs> he is a Jekyll and Hyde. Um, he's not he, bashful, right? No, he, <laughs> he is very brash with his arm, and, and he can make almost any throw. Uh, some of the throws that he makes as far as the distance and the trajectory and the zip on the ball from the – the platforms that he's throwing from, he's got no business making, and he still does. Uh, Is he, he an he, untraditional Texas Tech guy? I mean, uh, he's more gifted than some of those guys that came a, a, you know before him. The, the yeah, system I, I think the arm guys. talent, the arm talent that he has is you know astronomical. Wow, he okay. may he may have the best natural arm outside of maybe Kaiser um, in, in the whole class, and. He just doesn't play within the structure of an offense. Uh, he's always at his best when he's freelancing in the backfield or when his first individual read is there and he's able to get the ball out quickly. So he's not somebody, that, as it strikes me watching his film, that's, that's going to be able to get back away from the snap, get onto his throwing platform, and consistently work through a number of reads. He, he's very quick to flush and leave and and then wait for receivers to work back to him so i just need to see more timing with him uh, one of the biggest areas that i took exception with with his film is when he's in a, a a drop a pass drop and his back foot hits the ground and he's trying to throw with timing outside the numbers a lot of those throws are inaccurate it's because he doesn't have any semblance of getting back away from the snap, sticking the back foot in the ground and being confident in your read. Okay. Uh, he, it's just not, he doesn't have that rhythm to him as a passer yet. And it's, that's the question because uh, Texas tech is very much touchdown to check down. That's how they play the game. So two names that I was aware of coming into the season, and it doesn't sound like they did a lot to impre improve their stock are Miami's Brad Kaya and Ole Miss Chad Kelly. Who's what he's Jim Kelly's nephew, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Are they still in the mix? Uh, I think Kaya has a, a reasonable shot to be taken in the middle rounds. Uh, I, I certainly would not invest a, an early draft selection in him. Uh, he's very streaky as a passer when he's in rhythm. As a West Coast-style passer, he can be very effective. Uh, but some of the decisions that he makes uh, are, are a little troubling and when he's working from the pocket his ability to feel pressure and extend plays with his legs and and get away from rushers is questionable at best so that's something as i've continued to do my evaluations i i get more and more concerned with guys that have a hard time extending plays within the pocket okay. and, and you don't see a lot of that from kaya where kelly uh 
Kelly tore his ACL. Uh, he's got a lot of off-field red flags and questionable decision-making. Uh, was actually involved in a high school game altercation uh, this fall where somebody uh, had a late hit on his younger brother. And he ran out onto the field to the opposing <laughs> sideline and was jawing with guys. And you know, some people may poo-poo that, but man. He's competitive, though. Yes, he's, he's highly competitive. And he's uh, he's he's got that freelance style that Pat Mahomes does, uh, but he doesn't have the natural arm ability. And he makes many more questionable decisions throwing into coverage than what Mahomes does. And he's not as gifted athletically either. Okay, I would. Last thing I want to talk about with you is off the ball linebackers, and is Ruben Foster? Let's just start it with this guy. I mean, the, the little I've seen from him is he the best pure second level guy you've seen coming out of school and since Keekley? Uh He's a star in he's the a making. Star, yeah, he's a star in the making. Um, he's got one of the best ten film scores I've given out in the last five years. Wow. And he'll um, test so, fine, right? Yes, he will test fine. I, I will say it's very impressive. It's rare that you see a player go out and actively change their body composition as drastically as Foster did. I think he lost somewhere between 10 and 15 pounds between his, his junior year and his senior year. And the end result has been amazing. Usually you don't see guys effectively change their stripes, so to say, uh, as effectively as what he's done, where he's now added sideline to sideline range and the ability to get depth in his pass drops on top of blue chip mental processing and blue chip physicality and tackling skills. So he's he's checking nearly every single box you could possibly imagine as a linebacker. Two little notes on him, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, but uh, first of all, do you have any fear whatsoever that because he's protected so well by that defensive line, he, he it's easier to get excited about him than we should? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying you are. Just is that you have any reservations with that? And lastly, remember a year ago, I forget who I was talking to about this. Reggie Ragland came out, and we're all saying great things about him. And then the one knock was, yeah, but they take him off the field sometimes. So it's like, well. They didn't take Reggie Ragland off the field at Akron. You know, I mean, he happened to have this Reuben Foster dude behind him that, you know, that it's probably better than many of the linebackers he's going to play with in the in the NFL. So I think that's something like with a program like Bama from a scouting standpoint, you almost have to look at them differently. Like maybe it's not a knock on Reggie Ragland if the guy behind him is the best player in the country. Sure. You, you certainly need to keep it in context. I would say um... – you you're always looking for an excuse to pump the brakes, right? When you right. start getting when you're in like game two or three of a, a player and you look over to the minus side of the column when you're taking your notes and you don't have anything written down. <laughs> right. It, like, it, what it, am it I makes doing you wrong stop here? Pause. It's like, wait, okay. I'm not doing my job here, right? Uh, and I, I believe Joe had the same conversation with Jamal Adams last week. So Right, uh, right. Same same style of player, right? Where we were comparing uh, him to Sean Taylor, you know, who's like it, the perfect yeah. prospect. Yep. So Foster, um, the thing that makes me feel better about it is he does navigate through traffic well. Uh, he's not foreign to having to sift through trash to find the football. And with how quickly he processes plays, he's regularly the first guy moving and driving on the ball. So okay. because of that, it, it makes it a little easier pill to swallow to say, sure, he may have – uh, when it's all said and done throughout the, the course of his two years as a starter, he started 26 games and played in 50. Um, 
he, he will have had probably three or four day two or day one defensive linemen playing in front of him, but he still checks the, the boxes as far as uh, being able to play in traffic and play off of contact and uh, finding the football quickly after the snap. So I, I don't want to harp on it, but it was certainly a thing that crossed my mind when I'm halfway through game three and I don't have any minuses written down. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's concerning. Um, I went to NFLDraftScout.com and just pulled up, you know, a list so, so we could have these conversations so I didn't miss anyone. And I noticed I have the inside linebackers up, and their 13th rank inside linebacker is named Hardy Nickerson. Is that is, – that has to it, be his son, right? That's who you're thinking of, yes. Okay. It is, it is <laughs> the what, junior. Okay. It is the junior. That's all uh, I wanted to know. I mean, I don't need to know many more about him, but I'm like, that has to be a, a, a relation, right? There's not two Hardy Nickersons in the world. No, he's a, a redshirt a senior, a transfer from Cal, played at Illinois this year. I actually really liked his 2015 tape at Cal. Okay. Uh, it was much more quiet this year for whatever reason, played a little more passive, and it, it kind of surprised me. Uh, but I have heard good reviews from him coming out of the NFLPA Bowl, which is where he's at this week. Okay. Um, so, so that's something. I was something a fan of his dad. Of yes. Yeah, I think everybody <laughs> sure. was, right? Plus, I mean, that was the right age in Pittsburgh, and, you know, he was a celebrity around here. Anyways, uh, Rakuan McMillan, Gerard Davis from Florida and Ohio State. Are they the are they the next two bangers you'd talk about behind Foster? Uh, I really like Davis. I think he's scheme diverse. I think he could play in a lot of different systems. Uh, our, the intern that we have with NDT Scouting, his name's Roger Dixon. Uh, he actually played at University of Florida in 2014 and 2015. Uh, he said Jared Davis is a total tape head. He's a grinder. Uh, he's he's in the stadium late at night running drills. So he, it's always great to hear those kind of positive reviews about a guy's work ethic. And his athleticism is very good. He he may even be a little looser in the hips and have a little more range in space than what Reuben Foster does. Wow. Um, What's the knock then? His knock is he's very sloppy at coming to balance when it when he's in – the open field to make tackles. Okay. Uh, he, he's prone to kind of overrunning some plays. Um, he, he's been banged up a lot this year, which has been concerning, but Hey, that entire Florida defense, it seems like a bit was hurt all year. So uh, maybe it's something they're putting in the water. I don't know. Um, McMillan strikes me as more of a uh, three, four inside linebacker. I don't think he's got the range to be able to play Mike in a, a, a four-man front and be asked to play sideline to sideline. Uh, he'd had a down year as well in comparison to the previous year. But as far as being a thumper and a downhill guy uh, in between the hashes, I think that's where he's at his absolute best. Do you agree with me? And this is kind of something that someone told me ab about McMillan was, yes, he's a good prospect. And I'm not taking anything away from him. But he wouldn't have the same name recognition, early thoughts on him if he went to a Mac school or Cincinnati or something like that. I mean, because he's a high-profile Ohio State guy, uh, he's at the top of some of these lists, but maybe he'll be a little disappointed on draft day. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. Okay. Uh, I think that's a great point because, you know, when, when Ohio State was playing very prominent football games, uh, McMillan's playing in the middle of that defense, and uh, he's had a lot bigger platform uh, than like uh, someone like Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt, who I think happens to be a top three linebacker this year, uh, kind of a, a Jamie Collins style player, but nobody knows about him because he plays at Vanderbilt. I've heard. Tell me more about him then. I mean, Jamie Collins has my ears, you know, on fire here. I mean, as a right. super athlete, long, lean, 
line him up wherever you want, bring him off the edge. Like when Collins was coming out, I thought he'd probably be a three, four outside linebacker. I mean, that's kind of what I saw him as with some, a little more subtlety to his movements and some Gumby to him. But is that what you think from this kid too? Yeah. He, he strikes me as somebody that you could play anywhere in any system. Uh, he's very effective playing forward. Uh, he's comfortable playing out in space and being isolated, uh, taking some zone drops and, and playing pass coverage. But I really like how he plays forward uh, in the run game. Uh, he's He's been shifted, you know, stacked back behind the, the defensive tackle. He's been playing an outside linebacker, inside linebacker. No matter where you line him up, he plays forward and he processes plays and reads blocks very well. He's a gap shooter kind of guy. Uh, he, he's not somebody that's going to stack and, and be able to disengage cleanly, uh, but he does have vines. He's very long and lean, just like mm-hmm. you mentioned with Jamie Collins. So uh, I think he should be on every team's radar if they're needing uh, some second-level reinforcements on the be- on the front seven. I'm not suggesting he's even close to there now, but could he project, you know, like a Julian Peterson or a Jamie Collins, that if he refines his pass coverage technique that he may be one of the few defensive athletes to cover Jimmy Graham or some of those tight ends we talked about to start the show, you know, that he could run with them. I think he certainly has the movement skills to be able to run with them. Okay. Um, Would like to see him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Certainly think that, that turn and run uh, he's long enough. Uh, obviously you would just have to, to work on him uh, sustaining his trajectory and not getting knocked off of, of his direction as a runner. Um, but that's something that almost all these linebackers, besides maybe uh, Jared Davis, who I mentioned, he's very, very effective covering tight ends and uh, staying in their hip pocket down the field. You'd have to work on that with almost every, anybody. Kyle, give me another name or two that are a personal favorite or uh, not everyone knows about of second-level defenders. Yeah, uh, one guy that I really like is Tanner Vallejo from Boise State. Hmm, I don't um, know that name. Yes, he's he's a quiet guy, but he's he's a violent football player. Reminds me, his tape reminds me of Kiko Alonso coming out of Oregon. Okay. Uh, a very very fast to flow. Uh, his click and close ability is right up there at the top of the class. Uh, some of his weaknesses are he's just like Jared Davis. Uh, prone to overrunning some of his tackles. He's a little on the smaller side. He's probably in the mid-220s. So there are some reps in which he slides off of tackle attempts. But if you're looking for somebody to play out in space and be a zone uh, defender and and a coverage linebacker, and maybe you put him at the will and let him pursue plays from the backside and not have to deal with traffic, uh, he's a really fun football player to watch. And he's a tough guy, too. He played most of this year uh, with a broken wrist and would come in and out of the game to get his wrist popped back into place after with, while playing with a cast. So does always like have, to see that kind of mentality from a linebacker. Does he have any similar similar Larry Larry just Brown from Akron that went to the Chargers, fourth-round pick, third-round pick, whatever, had a really good rookie year. And I also get the impression, just you talking about him, he sounds like a core special teamer from day one. Yeah, I think that's a great place to kind of slot him and put him on a roster. And I think that range will go well. I think uh, Jatavis was probably a little more explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vallejo, though, yeah. it's it's uh, the mental processing p- portion is there. And uh, that's one of the biggest things you look for in a linebacker is, do you recognize the play and do you know where it's going? And how quickly can you process that? So he, he checks that box for me for sure. Nice. Anyone else we need to know about? 
I keep an eye on Alex Anzalone uh, from University of Florida, redshirt junior who has uh, declared early, uh, gave up his final year of eligibility and is going to the Senior Bowl next week. Uh, he's been quiet because he's been hurt. I know he's he's actually from my hometown area, so I'm very familiar with him going all the way back to uh, a sophomore and junior in high school. But his he's got really nice athleticism, uh, and, and he moves very well on the second level. He he's checks the boxes as far as uh, the physical build you want in a linebacker. He's had a shoulder that's given him some hard times. But again, mental processing is there. Uh, he plays off of blocks pretty well. He understands how to use his hands to keep his chest clean. And uh, he's a guy that can play out in space. He's very effective as a delay blitzer off the second level. And uh, he's, he's a big hitter. So it's another name to put a star next to for next next week. Hmm. I will. Kyle, this has been fantastic. You were a fantastic guest, just as Joe was last Wednesday. I'd love to get you guys back between now and the draft and several occasions if possible. Uh, we mentioned everyone that they have to check out the Locked on NFL Draft podcast, but... Where else can people get in touch with you? Where's your Twitter handle? What else are you up to? Sure. Uh, you can get a hold of me on social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter at NDT Scouting. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash NDT Scouting. What does uh, NDT can... stand for? I mean to ask you that. Yeah. When, when I first <laughs> started in the business uh, four years ago, I, I had a running blog called NFL Draft Tracker. Oh, okay. And uh, when I decided to transition from a blog to more of a formal approach and business style approach, uh, it that can, got condensed to NDT, and it, it's it's just kind of stuck ever since. So uh, that's what NDT is for. I get asked that quite a bit, actually. No, I'm and sure. uh, you can visit ndtscouting.com. We have uh, a lot of game notes from games this year. Uh, Joe. Our intern, Roger, and I each did uh, three games a week for the first 10 weeks of the season with scouting notes. Uh, so a lot of great nuggets uh, that were compiled week to week throughout the year. And uh, the last place you can find some of my work is I am the lead draft analyst of FanRag Sports. Uh, so I, I'm trying to pump two or three things out a week for them and uh, put some written articles out on top of the the work that I'm doing with my scouting reports for the, the draft, which is scarily enough under 100 days away. Yeah, and maybe you and I will coincide with something on FanRag, too. I'm pumping out four articles a week for those guys, and uh, maybe we'll get in touch with John Oning and tell him uh, we want to do a joint yeah, project. Yeah. Maybe you do, just, just off the top of my head, maybe you should do a mock draft, and I'll critique it if they're good position fits or oh, something. Okay. From, that, yeah. That'd be fun. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's better. I'd rather get my feedback from you than the people in the comments section. Oh, you got to learn not to listen to those guys. I mean, <laughs> imagine writing for ESPN for 10 years and what you get oh, in the I comments section. <laughs> You become pretty numb to it. It's all good. All right, man. Hey, this was awesome. Thanks for coming on. And um, everyone check out the, the podcast. Matt. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17